God has no plans for you to go backwards, right? No plans for you to decrease, no plans for your life to diminish, right? Psalm 23 says this, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want. That word want means I shall not lack, I shall not diminish, and I shall not decrease. So that, we know that that's God's will. And boy, I'll tell you, if you'll just line up with his will, he, you, he wants you to walk in everything that he's given you, right? So open your Bibles up to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We, we kind of started talking last week a little bit about what it means to walk in him. And I want to continue on in this area. Um, so this... This obviously, if we're teaching the word of God, guess what? Uh, it's going to be about faith. It's going to be about how to lay hold of things. This will be a time of equipping. There's anointing upon the word of God. That anointing is to lift a burden off of you uh, and, to, and, and to destroy a yoke of bondage. And if you, if you really study that out in scripture, many times that yoke of bondage is lies of the enemy. You know, he starts lying to you when you're little, and he'll use everything he can, all the people, all the situations, to try to get some detrimental thought processes built in your mind to try to keep you from ever knowing who you are in Christ, ever knowing how much he loves you, what he's given to you. But it says here in Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 1, it says, wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before you. Do you know that you're in a race? Right? You need to know you are in a race. It's not how you start the race. It's how you finish the race. Right? And, and you're not to run in your own strength, right? You're never to run alone. And there's ways to run, but it says wherefore seeing. First of all, you have to really have revelation knowledge that you are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses, right? This is, this is a picture of the local church that you're going to flourish when you're planted because you're, you, you're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses in your church. But it's beyond that. It's also the body of Christ in the earth. It's also the body of Christ that is in heaven. We're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. So it says because we see that, look at this, lay, let's lay aside every weight, a weight, and the sin that does so easily beset us. So we've got to lay aside some things. We've got to lay aside weights, right? I used to, when I was younger, I would run around this park in Decatur with a 75-pound weight vest. It was a three-mile course up hills. It's, it's kind of hard to find hills in Illinois, right? You know, there's not any hills, really. But there were some. Brutal. It's a lot easier to run them without that. I remember when I would take off that vest, it was amazing how I felt. <laughs> Things like there, there's weights that the enemy will try to put on you, right? There, there's just burdens that things will burden you down. That's like a weight. Things that he'll try to get you to worry about some things, right? You got to lay those aside and you also have to lay aside the sin that so easily besets you. So this word, it so easily besets you, it literally means that you're surrounded by this environment of sin so that escaping, it seems like you're trying to, you're trying to get away, but it's just surrounding, it's everywhere. Have you noticed in the world, the world system, it, it is... It is literally designed to create fear, to, right? to, to steal your faith. It's designed to steal, kill, and destroy, to, to get rid of your hope, right? So, and, it, and all of and the sin. Have you ever had 
anything, a behavior in your life that you just couldn't seem to get away from. Everywhere you turned, it was. Do you know the Bible's saying you're to lay that aside? I mean, that's because the word beset is like, man, I'm, it, escape is hard. How do I escape this? And God's saying, yeah, it might seem like it's, it's hard, but you have the power to lay it, just lay it aside, right? I mean, could it be that easy that you have this, this thing in your life, this sin, this behavior that just, you hate yourself because of it. You can't see, everywhere you turn, you, you sit here and go, man, how do, I, how do I get rid of this? And God's saying it's real simple. Lay it aside. How do you do that? Let's keep reading. Look at this. And then it says, run with patience, so you run with endurance the race that is set before us. How do we run? This is how you do everything. Looking unto Jesus. How do you lay aside a weight? How do you get, how do you, uh, get rid of the sin? How do you lay it aside? You've got to take your eyes off of the weights and the sin, and you've got to put them on Jesus. And here's Jesus. You put it on the word of God. This has to be your final authority. It has to be your, the center of your life, your relationship with him. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author, that means he's the initiator and finisher. That word in the Greek literally means the developer of our faith. We're to look to Jesus. Why? Because he's the initiator of our faith. Well, what does that mean? Romans 10, 17. Now faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. In other words, faith comes by hearing him. He's the initiator. When you hear his word, faith comes. Right? And he's also the developer. So as you walk by faith, guess what? Your faith grows. Right? But you got to keep looking at Jesus. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. Wow. That's interesting, right? So we got to run our race, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Do you want to be able to lay aside the worry, to lay aside the sin? You have to keep your eyes on Jesus. Because then, now what happens? Now you are going to overcome through him, not in yourself. The weapons of our warfare, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And that word pulling down literally means the utter destruction of a stronghold. That's, that's, that's where the behaviors come from. The addictions, it's just a stronghold in your mind. And Jesus has made you free from it. If you're born again, you're free on the inside. So all you got to do is renew your mind. And you'll walk free. Right? But, but that's going to mean, that's going to, you know, what's hard about that is you're going to have to crucify that flesh. Right? You're going to have to tell your body, no, we're not doing that anymore. Right, But you can't do that in your own strength. You do that in the strength of God. So then you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, I believe. Let me see here. Yeah, it says, But thanks be to God, which giveth. Which giveth. This verb tense is present tense and future which giveth, that means, that literally means to give, to add, and to cause. In other words, who gives us the victory. He does something in our life right now that will cause something in our future. 
look at this, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what I want you to see, according to this verse, he, he gives us the victory. This is, this is present tense right now. Whatever you're facing, he has given you the victory, which will add victory and cause you to walk in the victory in whatever you're facing. So in other words, if you are in a battle right now at the beginning of it, you don't, you're not fighting or believing God for victory. You're believing God from victory. I'm a child of God. I'm victorious. So now all this junk that is in my life that's negative, that's trying to, that doesn't look like I'm ever going to be able to get there, all of it has to bow to who he is. And which means it has to bow to who I am and who you are in Christ. It has to bow. If you're, if you're fighting something in, in the natural, in the physical, sickness, disease, pain, whatever it is, you come from a position of victory. You're not believing God for the victory, right? And, and in your mind, you're, the victory is, well, that I'm healed of this. No, no, you've already, he already healed you, right? You already, you, he's already healed you, so now you're coming from a position. I've been, I, as a child of God, have been redeemed from the curse of the law, which includes sickness and disease and pain. I've been redeemed from it. So what does that mean? That means sickness, disease, joint that's not working right, whatever it is, you must bow to who I already am in Christ. You gotta leave my body, pain, you gotta leave my body, tumor, you gotta leave my body, blood sugar levels, you gotta come down into the normal range, arthritis, you can't live in me, cancer can't live in my body. Why? Because I've been redeemed. Okay? So then we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse 14. It says, Now thanks be unto God, which always... You know what that word always means in the Greek? I bet you guys always, yes, right? Greek scholar, right here, right? It means always. So if he always, which always causes us, again... Present and future tense verb. He always causes us. He's doing something right now that will cause it to come to pass in my future. Who always causes us to what? Triumph in Christ. Wow. And, and what happens when you're walking in this triumph and makes manifest so people can see it the savor or the fragrance of his knowledge by us in every place. He wants you, he wants you. See, we all, we all wear this cologne if you're a guy, this perfume if you're a girl. It comes right out of your spirit. It comes and it just will envelop wherever you go and it's the fragrance of God. It's the knowledge of God. That's what the name of it is. It's not Chanel number five, right? It's not, as I would, Polo Classic, which I've wore forever, right? Uh, it's not that. It's the fragrance of God. It'll, it, it, it just changes things, right? But he always causes us to triumph in Christ. He always gives us the victory. So now I'm coming. So right now in my life, oh, you got to see this, Christian, you are already victorious. Already. The battle has already been won. Satan has already been stripped. And you got to know that. And every time that sucker comes illegally, you got to slap him in the face with an it is written so that he runs in terror. Because he does not want to mess with God. And Jesus, the head of the church, is at the right hand of the Father. And he is watching over his word to perform it. Right? God the Father came up with the plan. Jesus, he, he goes out and he does the plan. 
That's why he watches, he is the word, but he watches over the word to perform it. And the Holy Spirit, he will reveal everything, right? So let's talk about this. Go to 1 John chapter 5. Walking in Christ means if you can just step back right now in your life and look at every area of your life, take some time, sit down, everything that is in your life that is not of God, write that down and put a confession right next to it. I am victorious over this. I triumph over this, right? Not going to. See, Satan really loves it to try to get people, well, get in faith so that you can then get God to do something for you. No, he's already done it. It's already yours. The jobs, the money, the peace, the restoration of your life, the freedom from sickness and disease, the freedom from poverty and lack, the freedom from depression, the freedom from anxiety, from whatever it is, he's already, he didn't set you free, he made you free. So 1 John chapter 5 in verse 4 says this, and I'm just going to say for whosoever, because that Greek word is whosoever, you're not a whatsoever, for whosoever is born of God overcomes the world, overcomes. This, this word means to overcome because of the delegated authority that you have been given. Overcomes the world, you could say it this way, it's the Greek word cosmos, overcomes the world system. Whoever is born of God, are you, are you born again tonight? Right, I think I'm looking at a lot of believers here. So that means... If you're born of God, you overcome the world. Overcome. It means you overcome because you have delegated authority. This literally is in the continual present tense. It literally means you constantly overcome the world system. Isn't that cool? You know how many people are freaked out? Man, interest rates are going up. Cost of houses are going up, everything's going up, except incomes are not going up as fast. What are we going to do? You know, this new variant of COVID and World War III and, uh, right? Are you a Christian? Then relax and rest and just go, I'm already victorious. I am in Christ. Though a thousand fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, it won't come near me because I abide in the secret place, right? So it says here, whoever is born of God overcomes the world, world system, but now it's going to tell you, and this is the victory, the victory. Or you could say it this way, in the Greek language, you could read it this way, and this is the means of victory, or this is the means of success. This is how it's going to come. This is, this is what causes it, another way to say that. And this is the victory that overcomes the world system. What is it? Even our faith. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world system. And this is the victory, or this is how the victory comes. How does it come? Even our faith. What causes the victory? Our faith. Okay? In the Amplified, let me read this. Because it, it, this, this is a little vague, uh, especially in verse 5. It, it talks about, well, let me read it in the King James first. Verse 5 says, Who is he that overcomes the world, but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, that's a little vague the way that was translated, the Amplified brings out the Greek rendering of this verse 5 especially. It would read like this. For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. Do you notice the tenses there in the Greek? Is victorious and overcomes the world. This is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world 
Look at this. Our continuing, persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. Our continuous, persistent faith. This is what brings out the Greek in verse 5. We who are born of God, we have been given victory over the world system. You right now, as you're sitting here, you have been given victory over the world system. You're given it. That's pretty powerful, right? In other words, you've been given victory over all the circumstances and situations that will come against you in life. You've been given victory. What is the victory? Your faith. Your continuous, persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. Wow. This is a big statement right here. Faith is your victory. So what does that mean? It means that victory is not when it's over. Right? Pastor Mark and I went last night. He took me to the Nebraska-Purdue game. And you know, I mean... Purdue is ranked number one in the nation. Even, even when they were coming back and you're thinking, there's three minutes left, they, Nebraska could still lose because this guy, this is the number one team in the nation. We didn't really know that it was victory until after that buzzer went off and then we're like, whoa, this is awesome, right? But that's not the way it is in your life. That's not the way it is. And you've got you've to change your paradigm. For your life because the whole world you watch sporting event after sporting event and the victory comes at the end but for you victory is not when it's over it's right now at the beginning or in the middle whatever right victory is the faith that came at the beginning that's another way of saying this you are to have your victory now. That's why faith, there's joy and faith, or joy and peace in believing. If somebody's in faith, you're not, oh man, I'm just fighting the battle of faith. That's not faith. Because when you're in faith, you know you have it. I'm already victorious. All this, all this has to bow. You're not running around going, man, I'm going to the doctor Thursday. Man, Pastor Dave, please believe with me for a good report. Right? No, that report from the doctor is not going to move me because I already, I already know the end result because I already have this report. Because I better not put my faith in a doctor's report because sometimes the symptoms could get worse and that could, that could mess with somebody. Oh my gosh, the tumor grew. Okay, so it grew. It's still got to go, right? I don't care if it grows, but it's got to go. I already have the victory. Faith is my victory. I have the victory now. Everything, always remember this, everything unseen will line up with the faith that you started with that came from hearing God's word. Everything unseen has to line up with it, right? And the unseen realm is much greater than the seen realm. If, see, the unseen realm is not subject to change. None of this is subject to change. Anything going on in your body or in your life, it's all subject to change. And it all has to bow to who Jesus is. You are victorious. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says this. And they overcame, again, same word, overcome. It's, it's, it's the Greek word nikeo. You've overcome because of the delegated authority that you've been given. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Wow. And they love not their lives unto death. Talking about this is in the book of Revelation. But the principle is right here. And you see it all through the New Testament. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Not just the blood of the lamb. Remember, the blood of the lamb. Yes, blood was shed for you. But remember, the children of Israel, they not only had the blood in their house when they ate that Passover lamb, they had to put it on the outside of their doorpost to keep the destroyer from coming. Well, what is that? That's also, I speak it. My hyssop branch is my mouth. 
I have to constantly speak what the Word of God says, right? See, here's the greatest power of a testimony. Have you ever, have you ever been to a testimony service? And, and some of them are brutal because they get up and it's, it's a 15-minute testimony, 14 minutes and 30 seconds describe the incredibly horrible circumstance and the hell that the person has lived in. And then the last 30 seconds, but God. But I'm here to tell you the greatest testimony comes at the beginning of the battle. When you stand up and say, I'm healed. I'm healed. I testify, I'm, I'm testifying right now. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. He sent his word and healed me. I'm testifying right now. He meets all of my needs according to his riches and glory, right? I'm, I'm testifying right now. He's going to open a door that no man can shut. I'm going to get the perfect job. I'm going to have the perfect position. I'm going to, nothing can stop me in my life because, right, he will, he goes before me. Amen. Scripture after scripture, the greatest testimony is before the greatest power of a testimony is when you testify before you see anything. In the natural, I mean. You're testifying out of what you already see and know in the unseen, right? My testimony is to declare what has already been done for me by Christ's redemptive work, and there's nothing in this world that could ever stop it from coming to pass. That's my testimony. We got to get this. Because God wants you to walk in the victory that you already own. But he wants, he wants to literally show it. He wants that fragrance of the knowledge of him. See, right now, we have a fragrance coming out of the church of knowledge about God, but many times it's wrong. That, well, you know, he blesses some and not others, and... And, you know, and, and man, he took this person out, but he just had a bigger plan for him. No, that's not the fragrance. That's the counterfeit. The fragrance of God is always good, that God loves me unconditionally, that he will never leave me, he'll never forsake me. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he's going to bring it to pass. Hide and watch. It may look like there's no way now, but I've already seen it and I already know it. I have the victory. His word is true. Let him be true and let every man be a liar. That is how you walk as a Christian, right? So Romans 10, 17, let's jump here real quick. It says this, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you break these Greek words down, literally this would read like this. So then faith comes out of or originates from hearing and hearing through the spoken word of the anointed word, of the anointed one. So then faith comes out of or originates from hearing. And you could say it this way, and hearing, how does hearing originate? Through the spoken word of the anointed one. Oh, you think, you think I'm talking about just hearing. No, 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 no. When, you're, when this hearing is your hearing, the word of, of your Lord on the inside of you, the word is speaking to you. See, so many Christians, they have, there's been so many Christians that have never really, really started the process of walking by faith. They started it when they got saved because we've been preaching this forever. So they received Christ, but they don't know how to lay hold of anything. Faith originates, it comes by hearing, right? And hearing comes through the spoken word of the anointed one. In other words, there, you're going to hear this on the inside of you, right? Galatians 3.13 says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And as you meditate in that verse, 
And as you take the time and meditate in it, Father, I thank you that Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. And and let's say you have arthritis. And according to Deuteronomy 28, the curse of the law includes arthritis. Therefore, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of arthritis. And all of a sudden, you keep saying that and saying that and saying that. And all of a sudden, on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit opens up that word. And now revelation comes and the word speaks to you and says, Tony, I have redeemed you from the curse of the law, which includes arthritis. You're redeemed from arthritis. That is no legal right. When I hear that on the inside of me, I am now fully persuaded that I have it. I'm not going to get healed. I'm already healed. So now arthritis, you got to go. Do you see that? This is so, so very important that you see that. Faith comes by hearing the anointed utterance of your Lord. The result of hearing those words causes you to come to know something about him. Why do people not forgive? They don't have any revelation about how that God forgives. Why do people sit in church and refuse to honor God for their finances? Because they don't know him as their provider. Right? And and up until now, you could kind of get jobs and work and maybe do okay. But I'd love to tell you it's going to just be that way until the rapture happens, but I'm not so sure about that. Right? Right? God, God, you, you must learn something about him. you got to know him that he's your healer. Not just that he heals, but that he's your healer. And that condition that's in your body, it has, he has no plan for you to walk forward with that condition. You have to know it. Because that's why faith will seize hold of something and never let it go because it never stops looking at Jesus. Through hearing words from him, you get to know his person, you get to know his integrity, you get to know his power, you get to know his faithfulness, and you know that you know that you know. You're fully persuaded. If he said it, he'll do it. Most Christians, and, and this is the thing, when you start tasting of this, it just you'll be a wild man like me. I can't get enough of it. Because you just start tasting. And it's like, Wow. Because a lot of Christians in our circles, they're sitting here up to here with what they want and their life, and, and, and in that mix is a whole bunch of worry and a whole bunch of burdens and, and a whole bunch of sin, and I'm feeling guilty and I'm feeling ashamed and I just need to do better, and they're on this treadmill and it stinks. And you can get off the treadmill right now by simply changing your mind, laying down the weights, laying down the sin, Put him first. I mean, do you realize there are Christians that literally believe, they struggle with, well, you know, I, I don't really think I need to go to church. Which, which definitely means I, I, I don't need to read my Bible, let alone meditate in it. Which means Satan is just beating them up. He's just beating them up, and they don't, they don't know their answer. And God is like, listen, get to taste so that you can see that I am good. Because once, all of a sudden, you hear the word, and you go from, man, I believe in God for my healing, to, wow, <laughs> healing is mine, right? And then all of a sudden, then that, that's, all that stuff goes away, and your body's well. Now you're just on fire for the Lord. And then you go from glory to glory to glory to glory. <laughs> right? That'll cause you to stop judging others, right? Well, it'll cause you to do this. In order to stop judging others, you'll come to see yourself as you really are, okay? You got to do that because, see, people, people that don't meditate in the word and they have all these blind spots, they think they're spiritual because I could quote some scriptures. Well, you know, have you ever been around a demon-possessed person? Man, I had some of them come in my college and career group. They could quote all kinds of scriptures. But just keep listening to them. Pretty soon, it'll start getting off a little bit. And they will run from you when you confront the demon in a person. Have you ever, have you ever confronted a demon-possessed person? 
wimps. The person, you just love the person. You want to reach down their throat and grab that demon and just slap him in the face. And that demon is like, I'm out. See you later. Right? Because why? Because they, they know who you are. And, or, and, and they really know if you know who you are. Now, if you don't know who you are, they don't care. Right? But this, there's a place in God. It's victory and freedom. So, so you get over yourself and you realize, listen, in myself, I can't do anything. I know nothing. But in him, I, am, I can do all things. Right? I know all things. You mess with me, you got to go through him. And you're not going through him, right? My faith in him is a result of what I know of him, what I've heard of him, and what I've heard from him. Let me say that again. My faith in him is a result of what I know of him, what I've heard of him, and what I have heard from him. His word is him speaking to me, right? So it says in Romans chapter 10, if you back up, in verse 6 it says, but the righteousness which is of faith speaks this way. And, and like it always does in the Bible, it'll tell you now what, what faith, the righteousness of faith doesn't say. Say not in your heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, in other words, believing in Jesus means you don't ever look for him to come down back to this earth and do anything for you now. You're not waiting for him to come and heal you. You already realize he already came and he already healed you. Okay? This is where people miss it concerning healing. And many believers go home early because of that. Because they're, they're believing God is going to heal them. And, and there's no scriptures about that. There's a ton that says he already has, okay? People are looking for God to heal them, and he's already healed them. So, so it's, remember, you're coming from victory. You got to renew your mind to this because it, it, it's backwards from the world, right? In other words, the world is backwards. This is the way it is. When somebody comes to Christ, I tell people, listen, for years... You know, come to Christ, man. He, now he's going to turn your life upside down. No, no. He's going to turn your life right side up. And right side up many times is going to feel really weird. What do you mean I got to rest? What do you mean no more toil? Yeah, no, no, no. You want to be first? Be last. You want to live? Well, you got to die. Right? It's always, see, he's not backwards. The world is backwards. And then it says, or who shall descend into the deep that is to bring Christ up again from the dead? No, he doesn't have to do that. But what saith it? What does the righteousness which is of faith say? Verse 8. The word is near thee. Why? What do you mean near thee? In other words, the word is near me. It's even in my mouth. The word of God is always in my mouth and in my heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, in other words, you confess Jesus, you are my Lord. I'm inviting the influence of your Lordship into my life. Notice, before you get saved, you have to confess that he's your Lord. Right? Because guess what? We, we, we tell people, and I remember I was doing an altar call one time. I was in Iowa. And, and I'm like, those of you who want to come down and make Jesus the Lord of your life. And on the inside of me, the Holy Spirit arrested me and said, only one individual has ever made him Lord. And that scripture came up. That, that individual was God the Father, made Jesus Lord of all. So now, I say it a little different. Those of you who want to come and bow to the lordship of Jesus, because he's already lord of all, but today you're going to be inviting his lordship into your life. It's a whole different world. He is lord of all, and every knee will bow someday. Not because they're made to. They will bow, the Bible says, in honor. 
And every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Right? That's going to be a fun day. No, it's going to be a horrible day. Think about it. Every person in hell right now knows that they didn't have to be there. Every one of them. I don't know about you, but man, I want to see Jesus so bad. I am so ready to see him and spend eternity with him, ready for the evil of this world to be done away with. I can't stand the fact that little children are being hurt. People are all the stuff that he's doing in the world, the addictions and everything. I can't wait until that's all over. But man, I want to run hard because I don't want anybody to be lost that has been in my life, right? I don't have time to, to be about myself. Well, they just don't respect me. Who cares, right? We just need to love people. Look at this. For with the heart, verse 10, man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You could say with the mouth, confession is made unto healing. Confession is made unto abundance and prosperity. Confession is made into deliverance and freedom, because that word salvation means all of those things. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13 says this, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written. And now the word of God, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, is going to quote Psalm 116, verse 10. I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. I love it. It starts out, I believed, past tense, and therefore I have spoken, past tense. But now, because I'm not alone, I'm with my company, I'm with believers, we also believe, now we're pulling it right into the present tense, and look at this, and therefore we speak. See, you might come to a place where you believed and you spoke, but that's not enough. We obtain the promises of God through faith and patience. The word of God is never to depart out of our mouth. For it not to depart out of your mouth, you got to be surrounded with your cloud of witnesses. In other words, you got to surround yourself with some people of like faith. If your close friends are not serving God, you're in trouble. You're not going to win them, they're going to win you. Because the mere fact that you're still allowing them in your life shows that you're still weak. Right? Now, don't give up on them. Right? Because they might be your fruit someday, but maybe just not right now. Right? An alcoholic should be going back to the same bar. Right? Now, someday, man, you'll probably be able to minister to those people. Someday, you'll be able to walk in that bar. No problem, but not right now. Does that make sense? Now, what, how will you know the Holy Spirit will lead you? Right? See, you can't give somebody something you don't have. There are so many people that are in love with ministry. And, and it's like, well, I just, I just love to teach. You know, I just love it. And it's just, just, it just makes me so happy. And it's, it's, it's just all about me. You're not going to go very far. Because, man, when you, when you start to taste and see that he's good, your whole focus, it's no longer about you at all. Why do we want to do everything excellent? So people will look at us and say, wow, they really, are not, they really do things right there. No, could care less. We want to do everything excellent so that they could see him. So, so very important. Speaking God's word literally brings his presence and his power right into the situation that you're facing. See, when we speak out of what we believe, it brings victory into our life. Because we are already victorious, but you gotta speak it. You gotta speak it. I'll kind of do like a, a media lesson for you, right? In other words, your speaker, you gotta make sure it's plugged in to your believer, right? It's got to be plugged in. 
because you're going to speak out of what you believe. So let's look at Mark chapter 11 real quick. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Talking about faith. We're talking about how to walk in him. You've got to come from a place of victory. You've got to keep the word in your heart coming out of your mouth. Faith actually comes when you hear the anointed utterance of the Holy Spirit, of, of God himself, of Christ. Well, how do you hear that? The Holy Spirit is the agent of that. He opens the word of God so you can hear it. So Mark eleven twenty two, talking, you guys know the background of this story. Jesus cursed the fig tree, right? And, and 24 hours later, they're walking by it and it's dried up from the root. And in verse 22, you know, after, they, after Peter goes, hey, Lord, look at that fig tree you cursed is dried up from the root. Now he's going to do, in my opinion, the most concise, concise teaching on how the faith of God operates. And so he, he says in verse 22, and Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. You could translate it like this, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith or have faith in God. You could, the Greek language, you could do, any of those would be accurate. And now, from this verse, what we see, have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. Have the faith that God has. Faith is something you have, right? Have it. It's yours. Have it. You can decide to have it. Everyone decides. You can walk by faith if you want to. To have faith, all you have to do is hear the word of God and believe it. That's it. See, Satan always tells you that you need more faith. But you know the Bible doesn't talk about that, right? The Bible doesn't tell you to get more faith. The Bible tells you to use the faith that you have, right? In the New Testament, there's one place it talks about the amount of faith. And it talks about faith as a grain of a mustard seed. Which, which literally, a mustard seed, if you've ever seen one, it looks like a piece of food that got stuck in between your teeth. It's super, super small, right? But it, it, it literally denotes that the smallest amount of faith will produce the biggest results. So it's not about the amount of faith. It's about using the faith that you have, right? It's not about how much faith you have. It's about how strong you stand in faith, Right? Really get that. It's not about the amount. It's about the strength. And I'm telling you, the more you feed, the more you keep your eyes on the word, the more it's in your mouth, the more, it come, the more it's in your heart, the more it's coming out of your mouth, the stronger your faith gets. The more you say that you have what he says you have, the stronger faith gets. Right? It is the use of faith not the size of faith that matters, right? So faith doesn't come to you as a believer. Now, every one of us have been given the measure of faith. That's according to the gifts, the, the call of God on our life. But faith doesn't come after that initial thing. It doesn't come by measure. It comes by choice. You choose. And you could look at your schedule and you could tell where you're at there. Just look back. It's Wednesday. Look back a week. How much time have you spent in the word? How much time have you spent confessing the word? Do you have scriptures? If you're facing something, do you have at least two to three scriptures that you are speaking all the time? If you don't, don't beat yourself up. Just know you're not in faith and you need to get in faith right? So verse 23 now is going to talk about faith against something. This is now faith when Satan is bringing stuff against you, this is what you do. It says here, for verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto the mountain, in other words, notice there's a mountain, it could be a mountain of sickness, a mountain of debt, a mountain of financial problems, a mountain of depression, it could be a mountain of just whatever, but it's something that the enemy's bringing against you. Notice you're not talking to God. The Bible says, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith 
will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. That's how the God kind of faith operates. You're not talking to God about your mountain. You're not begging God to move the mountain. You're talking to the mountain. And when you talk to the mountain, guess what? He will be able to now move the mountain. Right? So in Numbers chapter 14, in verse 28, it says this. God says, say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do. It's, that verb tense is permissive, so you could re accurately read it. So will I allow to you. In other words, God's saying, whatever you say in my ears, I will allow that. Do you know, and we have the example of the children of Israel. God said, whatever you say in my ears, that's what I'm going to allow in your life. There were two people that says that they can go in and possess the promised land. Out of all of those, what, two to three million? And well, they say anywhere from three, two to seven million, million Jews. Two of them said they can go in. The rest of them said they couldn't. And the rest of them died in the wilderness. God had to allow what they allowed. Wow. That's, that's, and, and, and you could sit here and go, wow, that just, that's, that, that, thank God it's Old Testament. Well, Mark eleven twenty three 23 is not Old Testament. You will have whatever you say. Right? Now, I know people laugh at that. But they're not laughing at you. They're not laughing at me. They're not laughing at this word of faith doctrine or whatever they want to call us. I don't know what, it's just the word. I mean, God said this. As truly as I live, that's an oracle of God. That means it's an unending, eternal, as, as long as God's alive, which he always will be, right? Look at John 15, 7. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me, wow, this word abide means to dwell continually. Abide is talking about what you're doing with your mind. Are you going to renovate your thinking and fill your heart with the word of God so that your mind can be filled with the word of God. Abiding involves being consciously aware of the indwelling presence of God in your life. If you abide in me, how do you know you're abiding in him? Because I'm constantly aware of his presence in my life. When I face something, I'm constantly aware I'm not facing this alone. I'm facing this in him, and he's my healer. He's my deliverer. What I'm facing is nothing compared to who's with me. Now I'm abiding in him. And my words abide in you. You shall ask. This, mean, this word ask means you will call for. You will require. You'll make a demand for whatever you will. Why whatever you will? Well, when you're abiding in him, guess what you will? Your will and his will will be one. And it'll be done unto you. So remember this. God deals with us on the basis of his word and what? Our word or our confession, right? There's a connection between what you say and what you'll have in your life. It's connected. If you don't like what you have in your life right now, start saying something different. But I'm telling you, if you want to have what the Bible says is yours, just start speaking it. Right? We can never rise above the words that come out of our mouth. Right? In other words, Father, I just receive your grace that I might say what you say, right? Matthew chapter 12 and verse 37 says this. Matthew 12, 37 says, for by thy words you'll be justified. This word justified means you'll be pardoned and you'll be set free. Or by your words, by your words, you'll be condemned. That means you'll be sentenced and taken into bondage. God has no bondage for you as, as, as his child. So we got to watch what we say. This is how we walk in him. So then we go to Mark 11, verse 24. Now this is faith to receive something from God. 
Mark eleven twenty three is how to get the mountains out of your life. It's faith against all the junk. Mark eleven twenty four is how you receive from God. Therefore, I say unto you, the word says, what things soever you desire, this word desire means what things soever you call for, require, or make a demand for, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Believe that you receive, that you seize hold of them. When you pray and you believe God for your healing, Father, I thank you. I have it now. It's mine. I've seized hold of it. I can't feel it. I can't see it. Don't care. You already said it, so it's mine. Does that make sense? This is how it works. You cannot speak the problem and be in faith. You got to know, as I was talking to the men, you got to know your enemy. You have to secure the word of God. You have to maintain a pure heart and then resist the devil. That's how you walk by faith. Faith won't move anything until it moves you. And faith will move you when you hear his words. I mean, do you realize you're going to hear a shofar, a trumpet, as the Bible would say it, you're going to hear a trumpet say to you, come up here. And you're just going to be up there. You are made to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. You're made to hear, you're, you're made to hear God. Wow. You won't, faith won't move anything until it moves you. What is the first part of you that faith has to move? Your mouth. It's got to, if you, if you talk to believers, man, I'm telling you, the, the problem is we're not speaking the word enough. I just, you know, I mean, this makes people mad. But I'm just, you don't know how I'm feeling, and I'm, this is really unfair, and I'm hurting. I understand you're hurting. I understand your feelings are really pressing you. But as long as you keep speaking what you feel, you are literally throwing gasoline on a fire that will ruin your life. Does that make sense? So, so very important. So I'm going to close with this. Hebrews chapter 10 in verse 23. It says, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. See, you need a word to hold on to. The pressure you face while believing God for anything is the pressure to get you to let go of the word. That's what he wants to do. If you won't let go of the word, there is no way that what the word has promised, the word will perform it. Do you see that? This is just... I'm telling you, Satan is pressing you to turn loose of the promise. Don't do it. The pressure, the pressure that you're under is not the pain in your body. The pressure is not the lack of finances. The pressure is not the addiction. It's not the oppression. It's not fear. That's not the pressure. The pressure is Satan using those circumstances and situations to get you to let go of your faith, to separate you from your faith. See, you frame, the, you frame your whole life with the words that you speak out of your mouth that come from your heart. See, your destiny, your future's in your heart. Do not let. See, Satan, he's coming for the word. If you look at the parable of the sower, it's the word that produces everything. Put all the pressure on the word, but never get a word from God. When you're believing God for something, get two or three scriptures, get those scriptures, start meditating in them. God, Satan is going to try to get you to let go of them, 
by looking at circumstances, but you keep them in your mouth, you could be speaking them, and your mind will sit here and go, you don't even believe this. Don't worry about that. You just keep speaking them and keep speaking them and you keep meditating in them. And I'm telling you, it'll get down in your heart. The Holy Spirit will bring revelation. And all of a sudden, you will hear the voice of your Lord. And he will say, my son, my daughter, you're free. I've redeemed you. You're mine. You're victorious. Don't buy what you're looking at. And all of a sudden, you, when you hear that on the inside, faith is there, and you'll grab hold of that, and man, you never let it go. How do you not let it go? You keep it in your mouth. Right? You, you, you keep it in your mouth, and I'm telling you, you keep it in your mouth long enough, you'll see it in your life. But realize the pressure is not the pain. The pressure is not the pain. It's not, it's not what you're feeling, all this stuff. No, the pressure is the, the enemy's using stuff to get you to let go of the word. Because if you let go of the word, he's got you. Right? But realize, if you've let go of the word before, just pick it back up. Because it's still yours. Amen?